Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello from wherever you are listening from. This is another one of our Mindful Leader podcasts. Today with me, I have Vicki Flaherty. She has a PhD in industrial and organizational psychology. She has worked extensively in HR, in executive leadership development, and she led the mindfulness at IBM community for many years. She's a coach, a facilitator, a blogger, an artist, and I think more dearly a friend and mentor to me. Vicki, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me, Patrick. It's great to be here. Okay, Vicki, because I'm very curious and I'm sure our, our listeners, our readers are as well to, to hear some of your insights on some of these questions. So the first one that I'm going to pose to you is related to problems. What are the biggest problems we face as leaders today? Mm. I'd say the biggest challenge that leaders face today is uncertainty. And it, it feels like it's, you know, uncertainty has increased just, you know, astronomically, but I'm sure, you know, years ago there was uncertainty as well. Um, so uncertainty, I think, is a big a big challenge that we we face. Um, I guess another one that's kind of related is just the speed with which things change. So uncertainty, um, the speed of change. Um, and I guess what's important about those things is that um, when you feel uncertainty or when we feel uncertainty, we, we, there's a natural tendency to get fearful. And as you and I know, fear is false expectations appearing real, right? So we're projecting something that might happen instead of being present in the, in the current moment. Is there anything really to be afraid of? Like we're safe, we're fine. Um, so I, I think um, fear is also a driver of um, a lot of poor you know, leadership behavior. And I, I guess the root of that can be uncertainty and chaos and the speed of change. And I liked how you you changed the word from problem to challenge. So I'd like for you to elaborate on that in a second. But how can mindfulness support with, with dealing with these challenges? Uh, so I guess, you know, if, if we have fear and we're projecting fear um, into the future, mindfulness brings us into the present moment. Like we we're alert to, oh, wait, wait, that's my, those are my thoughts running wild. Um, let me just come back to now and ask myself what's true and how am I really feeling? And so this ability to notice when our thoughts are running, to notice when we're writing a story, to notice when we're judging, to notice that negative self-talk, to like notice it. And in that space of noticing, then we have a choice and we can shift to, um, turning inward rather than letting those thoughts thoughts run run wild um, so that's that's first part of it and then the, i guess the, the first part of your second question was around uh the choice around challenge and i think words are so important like the words that we use create an energy in our body and the energy we have in our body like affects ourselves and the people around us and so um, years ago, I, I just 
tried to be much more intentional about the words that I was using. And, um, and it made me feel better. Like it, 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 was, it was all about me. Like I felt better when I chose those words. And so um, there are problems. There are big problems in the world. Um, and there's something about framing it as a problem that then sort of leads you to, oh, well, then there's a solution. And I don't think that they're necessarily solutions. There's there are challenges and then there are ways that we move through them or um, shape them. And, and, and that process is not something we do. It's something individually and collectively we do. We be. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Is there a, a credo or a mantra or a quote that's resonating with you these days? The one that I guess, um, the one that really sticks with me and that, that helped me tremendously in the last years of my career at IBM was be the change. So Gandhi's quote of be the change you want to see. And, you know, when we were leading the mindfulness at IBM community together, um, I, I felt like it was so important that when people were with us, they actually had the experience of mindfulness. We didn't have to define it for them or give them a practice. Like they could almost know what it was because they were with us. And so being what it is we were trying to create, um, that, that's just helped me a lot. It's that, I think it was Rumi who said, yesterday I was clever, so I try to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, that one going around recently and yes. And, and there's, so, there's so much power in that, like a positive power that we, we do have the power to change our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, how we show up, the impact we have. And so when we're conscious of that capability that we have, uh, we can really create a shift. Yes, yes. Can you tell me of a, of a particular situation or, or maybe frequent situations in which you used mindfulness to, to support you? Mm. Um, well, the first one that comes up for me is a personal one. Um, uh, almost 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and um, a, lot of fear, a lot of fear there initially. Um, and I, I didn't realize what was happening, but the way that I began to cope with that and to, to move through that was in moments of stillness. Like I would just sit and I would sit at my dining room table and I would just look out at nature and um, it caused me to slow down, to like look inside, what am I experiencing? And at first it was so complex and so challenging, I couldn't even label it. Like I just, um, but eventually like a word would come oh, I'm afraid, or I'm angry, or um, I'm feeling calm. And so a word would come. So this love of words, like a word can capture so much. 
And so I would just write down a word and I began to get clarity. So I think um, there it was finding moments of stillness, even when I was tightly wound and a lot of fear might be happening um, and just looking, looking inside to experience what there is. Um, and I know in mindfulness, a lot of times we say not to, to label what's happening. Um, but for me, the, the labeling created insight and understanding of what was going on you know, within me. Um, so I guess the key there is kind of in a non-judgmental way. Um, so that was a personal experience of, of mindfulness. And then uh, daily now, and I think it, I really worked that muscle at, when I was at the, the office is gratitude, like just being grateful for what is in the moment. Um, so, you know, I had challenges with some of my managers. I had some difficult assignments, um, was asked to do things that I didn't necessarily want to do. Um, and finding what I could be grateful for in those situations, like created a shift or creates a shift in me. Um, so gratitude is a, is a practice. In fact, now, um, even without all the corporate challenges that, that I had back in those days, um, I sit down and I write down at least three things that bring me joy in my life. So I, I, I value the experience of joy. And so tuning into that and focusing on that in an intentional way keeps me aligned with creating that experience for myself. Time for our rapid fire questions. All so right. The first thing that, that comes to your mind. Favorite mindful practice? Um, stillness. Stillness. What gets on your nerves? Lack of kindness. Morning or night person? Day person. <laughs> <laughs> A good book or a good movie? Good book. One word to describe you. Mm. Calm. Singing or dancing? Writing. <laughs> Autumn or spring? Mm. Spring. If you were reborn in a new life, would you rather be alive in the past or in the future? Future, although I'm quite happy with the present. <laughs> and last question, would you rather know how you will die or when you will die? When. Okay, thank you, rapid fire questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do, how do we go about and you have some experience in this because with the, with the IBM success story, how does one bring mindfulness to leadership? How does, mm. how do you grow mindfulness personally, professionally, in a team, in a community, mm -hmm. however you want to best answer that question? Yeah. So we touched on this before. I think it's, it starts with being it showing up in a mindful way so that people notice what it is you're talking about before you're even talking about it, right? Um, and then 
I was just thinking about that this morning. Like, I love your series because you've got such a diverse group of people with different experiences and perspectives. And, you know, you're not claiming there's any one definition of mindfulness or mindful leadership, like there are different views and perspectives. And so I think one of the things that really helped us in creating a movement at IBM was embracing that diversity. Like we were, we're a, it's a global company and there are people in Asia and there are people in the US and there are people in Europe and we live in the world differently. We have different cultures. And so naturally our experience and the, the practices that we would engage ourselves in might be different. And so honoring that, that it's, it's complex and it's, it's experiential, you know, like it's, it's what we experience. Um, so I, what I liked most about our, our movement was that, um, you know, we met people where they were and we brought people together to share um, their, their unique experiences. And so I think there's a balance of um, the, the science and the, the known practices, um, the history of the ways it's pra been practiced, like bringing that together within individual unique experiences, um, because it's the people, the real people that attract us to these things. And so, you know, when, when, when you have these practice leaders who are real people just going about their job at IBM and sharing it with you um, in your organization, like there's something really special about that. Um, so I don't know if I've really answered your question. I guess I have a, a, a sense that there's something really powerful about uh, a grassroots movement where you honor people's diverse perspectives and experiences around what mindfulness is, how we practice it, and how it can make a difference in our work and our lives. And I really like that first point you started out with is, is embodying it, is the individuals who are leading it or people that are speaking about it you can you can sense it when you're interacting with them that there's there's something different. Yeah, yeah. There's talking about it, you know, intellectually knowing what it is, and then there's embodying it. And when you're in a room with someone who's embodying it, you can you can feel it. And when you're in a room with someone who's just talking about it, you can feel it. Um, and so I, I've I've been in a room with a lot of people who are really, really smart and can talk about it and can create a program around it. Yet there's like the essence of it, the heart of it is just, it's not there. Um, and so a lot of energy can sometimes get put into creating something, packaging it, making it look all pretty and having quote a program. And, but people aren't really experiencing the depth of mindfulness and, through, through that. Um, so the, the realness that comes when it's a little messy and there are real people out there, you know, doing their best to share with other people. Yes, yes. True. <laughs> Any 
suggestions of materials or programs. A question that I got asked recently was three experiments that you would recommend for someone to mm. take part in. Mm. Three experiments. Mm. Well, I guess one thing I'll offer is, um, you know, my experience of leadership came through a, a program I went through, I don't know, 15, 15 years ago now called radical leadership, like leadership, radical being like at the core. So at the core of leadership is the core of our being. And, um, and so here's the definition of a radical leader. So one experiment could be just playing with the definition of what radical leadership looks like. Um, so a radical leader is aware and awake to what is while completely responsible and at choice for creating what they want. And so in there, there's a lot packaged in there for me, awareness, intention, choice. Um, and so that's one is just, what's that, what's that radical leadership? Is there some nugget in there for you? I guess another one is um, playing with these, with levels of awareness. So noticing in any moment, I go outside and I'm standing on my deck. Um, what's going on inside with me, with myself? What's going on with the little squirrel that I see across the the yard um, or the bird I hear singing, like awareness of others, whether they're human beings or beings. Um, and then like awareness of the surroundings, like when you're standing outside in your deck, when you're standing in your office with all those plants around you, like there's, a, there's an experience of the surroundings and the situation. And so at any moment, like tuning into yourself, others, and your surroundings, and just experiencing what that what that's like. Uh, and a third third experiment, you know, we talked a lot about gratitude, and I, I do think gratitude really has the power to shift shift our thinking. So maybe noticing when we're we're experiencing something that that we don't want and playing with noticing things that we're grateful for and afterwards seeing if that has created some kind of a shift in how we're feeling and seeing things. The links to the radical leadership and, and other stuff you could find in, in the blog. So I'm happy to explore that as well because I'm, I've heard you mention radical leadership before and listening to the definition I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, and yes, with awareness, as you were saying that, I was also thinking about awareness of, of time and, and space, how we're recording something now live, and we're going to be able to listen to it in the future, being able to talk about that and, you know, <laughs> hello, Patrick and, and Vicky saying it right now, but also to our, our future selves. It's, it's also very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting to think about it <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um any final thoughts um, i guess you had, you had asked for for resources and i guess in addition to radical leadership being a big influence for me um there's a 
yoga, mindfulness meditation guru, I would call him. His name is Rolf Gates, and he wrote uh, a couple of books. One is um, Meditations um, from the Mat or on the Mat, I can't remember. Um, and then Meditations on Intention and Being. And that first book, a friend of mine gave me back in 2007, and I've gone through, it's got, both of those books have daily reading. So a quote, and then something that you read and you reflect upon. And um, a lot of it's around yoga and meditation and being intentional. And um, the first book I've gone through, I'm going through it again, but I think this is my eighth time going through it. And the other book, I think I've gone through three times. So when you, when, when I do that, like Rolf is part of who I am because I've chosen to read his thoughts and think his thoughts and allow his perspective into my life. Um, so he's, he's a person that I, I follow. Um, he's also got some, he's been doing since the pandemic started, um, weekly, um, sometimes multiple times a week, um, guided meditations. Um, and he does a little bit of teaching in the first 10 minutes and then, then you meditate together. And um, I found that to be really you know, powerful. So he's another influence in, in my life, more from a yoga mindfulness meditation perspective. That's very nice. So I want to end with a, with a little wise saying. I don't know if it was, I learned this when, when studying Chinese history, but there's this, this story and it says that a fish trap is designed to catch the fish. Once you have the fish, you don't need the trap. The bear trap is designed to catch the bear. Once you catch the bear, you don't need the trap. Words are designed for meaning. Once you understand the meaning, you don't need the words. Now, where can I find someone who understands this so I could have a conversation with them? <laughs> and uh, Vicky, I always appreciate our conversations because we, we get the words and we get the meaning and we have lovely conversations. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for your time. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it, Patrick. Good to be with you.